0: Jonah chapter 4, verses 1 through 11. But it displeased Jonah exceedingly, and he was angry. And he prayed to the Lord and said, O Lord, is not this what I said when I was yet in my country? That is why I made haste to flee to Tarshish. For I knew that you are a gracious God and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and relenting from disaster. Therefore now, O Lord, please take my life from me, For it is better for me to die than to live. And the Lord said, Do you do well to be angry? Jonah went out of the city and sat to the east of the city and made a booth for himself there. He sat under it in the shade till he should see what would become of the city. Now the Lord God appointed a plant and made it come up over Jonah that it might be a shade over his head to save him from his discomfort.
1: Um, I wanted to thank all of you this morning because Brookwood's been a home for me the past four years in a way that I'm really, truly grateful for, Um, especially in the college ministry with Micah and Heather. It's been one of the most nourishing spiritual communities I've ever been a part of. Um, So I owe all of you more um, than I can say. And since I've been in the last four years in a very academic context, and I'm going three more years into another academic context, most of the time when I talk about Jonah, people ask me one question and one question alone. So they look at me and ask, did Jonah happen? And usually what they mean by that is something along the lines of, is this a literal story? Was Jonah actually swallowed by a fish? Could God actually do these things? Well, I think God can do whatever God wanted to do, but we are asking the right question in the wrong way. Because when we ask ourselves, did Jonah happen, we're typically talking about the particulars of an ancient short story, and we mean the individual details. But when I come to the passage today and ask, did Jonah happen, I don't need to consult archaeology, historical criticism, biblical languages, chronologies, or anything academic at all. I've done that, but I don't think it'll be very much help to us this morning. I think all we need to do in order to answer that question, did Jonah happen, is to read our newspapers or turn on our televisions or pull up the news on the internet. Consider some of the things that happened this week. Sunni and Shia Muslim divisions in Bahrain continue to result in fighting and killing, this week in the death of a police officer by car bomb. Egypt is in chaos after a majority group ostracized other groups and now the tables have turned on them. North and South Korea ended talks this week that would have resulted in some economic cooperation along the border. The court in Nigeria sentenced four Islamist militants to life in prison for a terrorist attack. And Nigeria is still roughly divided north and south between Christians and Muslims. The trial of the surviving Boston Marathon bomber begins soon. Lest we forget, the devastating attack born out of intercultural hostilities. Immigration reform and other issues sit before a skeptical House of Representatives who will decide how Americans can treat the people of Mexico to bring them in or keep them out. Jonah did not preach in Nineveh this week. There was no conversion in Nineveh. For if there was a conversion in Nineveh, Sunni and Shia Muslims would not kill each other. If there were conversion in Nineveh, Christians and Muslims and seculars would not imprison each other in Egypt. If there were conversion in Nineveh, thousands would not be dying in North Korea, and there would not be two countries perpetually at war. If there were conversion in Nineveh, two young men from across the world would not have come to bomb the Boston Marathon. If there were conversion in Nineveh, our immigration debate would look very different. If there were conversion in Nineveh, our poverty rate would not be so great, our income disparity not so wide, our children not so hungry, and our captives not so chained. There was no conversion in Nineveh, and I see it all around us. So if you want to know if Jonah happened, look around. And if you want to know if Jonah happened, consider the whole story. Consider that story that starts in the beginning when God created the heavens and the earth, when he called a man named Abram and called him Abraham and his wife called Sarah, and he told them they would have as many children as there were stars. God lived with Abraham's people and they passed down this promise from generation to generation. God lived with them while they prospered and while they were enslaved. He brought them out of captivity into the wilderness where they wandered for 40 years. And when they finally inherited their promised land, things didn't go quite as planned. The people became possessed with the idea that their promise, that they would number as stars, that that promise would be fulfilled by the possession of land in cities. And they believed that that promise was one of power. So they conquered and they fought and the days grew dark and bloody. And these days dragged on and on until the people of God forgot that they were not kings. They looked to their neighbors and saw their kings and all their splendor, and they told God they wanted their own. They forgot all of the hubris and the pride that come with a crown, and all of the prejudice and anger and violence and exclusion. Even when they crowned a just king, he killed a man and took his wife. David, a man after God's own heart, had sons who killed sons and children who killed children. Then the kingdom fractured under Solomon. Even the wisest man on earth did not understand the promise. He could not count the stars, even with all the knowledge and things of the earth. And the kingdom split in two. And we find Jonah in this fractured world. We ask if Jonah preached in this fractured world. Jonah, the story goes, comes from the north in Israel. God called Jonah to preach to the people of Nineveh, but understandably, Jonah had no desire to do that whatsoever. Nineveh was the capital of Assyria, the hated enemy. To Jonah and the rest of Israel, Assyria was the epicenter of debauchery, idolatry, violence, and all that a pious Israelite despised. So Jonah hated Assyria, and he tried to run away. He got on a boat and ended up in a fish. He went to sea and ended up in the sand in front of Nineveh. So he preached to the people he hated, and he told them how to avoid destruction. He told his enemies how much God loved them, and they repented. There was conversion in Nineveh, and the king issued a proclamation, and the whole city and all its animals donned sackcloth and ashes to weep at their impending doom. There was conversion in Nineveh, but Jonah hated it. He could not stand for these people to enter the kingdom of God. He huffed and puffed, totally content with the fact that he would rather see a hundred and twenty thousand people die than enter the kingdom of God and whoever wrote the book of Jonah did not write it while Jonah was alive because years after the story of Jonah takes place Nineveh's armies march on his homeland of Israel and destroy it those tribes and those people are lost to history because the Assyrians wiped them out There was no conversion in Nineveh that day. Almost 3,000 years ago, Israel saw the consequences of not preaching in Assyria. And when the people returned to Palestine and heard this story, they looked around and asked themselves the same question we did. Did Jonah happen? And I guarantee you, when they looked around at devastated houses, a ruined temple, and scorched earth, they thought one thing. Today, there was no conversion in Nineveh. They heard the story and wept before its consequences. They rebuilt, but they wept, for there was no conversion in Nineveh. And many lost hope and thought that Abraham's promise, the counting of the stars, was dead. Because there was no conversion in Nineveh, Assyria destroyed Israel. Because there is no conversion in Nineveh, Sunni and Shia Muslims are at war in Bahrain. Because there is no conversion in Nineveh, Christians, Muslims, and secularists imprison each other in Egypt. And because there is no conversion in Nineveh, thousands die in North Korea, and two countries are perpetually at war. Because there is no conversion in Nineveh, terrorist attacks rock our nation and others. Because there is no conversion in Nineveh, our debates around poverty, immigration, welfare, health care, income disparity, hunger, and education center more on politics than people. There is no conversion in Nineveh, and I see evidence of it all around. Centuries after these people read Jonah, Their ancestors were in a synagogue, and they'd heard about a man wandering, teaching curious things in their region, and they decided to question him and see if his work was of God. And when it was their turn, they asked Jesus, Teacher, we wish to see a sign from you. And he answered them, I give you no sign except that of the prophet Jonah. Sure enough, when one greater than Jonah came, the response of God's own people was not that of these fabled Assyrians. Instead of repenting and rushing headlong into God's kingdom, they killed their prophet and buried him, casting him into the seas of the earth and the belly of the tomb. And just as no sailor expected Jonah to return from the whale, no one expected Jesus to return from the earth. But I think we all know how that panned out. So did Jonah happen? This time it did. And from that point forward, the kingdom of God began to expand in unprecedented ways. In this crucial period of the church's infancy, I believe we find the meaning of the story of Jonah. Consider the story of the apostle Peter. When one day, looking for somewhere isolated to pray, he climbed up to the roof wanting to be alone. But God saw that that didn't happen and sent Peter a vision in which a blanket came down from heaven, filled with all sorts of animals, reptiles, and birds, including all sorts of things Peter was not supposed to eat. But Peter heard this command from God, Peter, get up, kill, and eat. And when Peter objected to God, calling some of the food unclean, God's response was, you shall not call unclean what I have made clean. It took Peter three times to get the message, but when he did, there was a knock on the door. And he went downstairs, and there was a man sent from a man named Cornelius, a Gentile and a Roman. The man said that Cornelius had sent for him because an angel of God had come to him and told him to do so. And Peter took the messengers at their word and traveled to Caesarea. When Peter sat with Cornelius, he heard him tell the story of how God had been at work in his household, and undoubtedly confused at first. At some point in the conversation, it clicked for Peter that God wasn't talking about food when he said, what I have made clean, you must not call unclean. So Peter stood up in the house of a Gentile and said, I truly understand that God shows no partiality. But in every nation, anyone who fears God and does what is right is acceptable to God. Peter stayed with these first Gentile believers and celebrated with them. And then he returned to Jerusalem. And he came before the church and gathered to hear what God had revealed to them. He walked between them and standing among them, he said, There has been conversion in Nineveh. says, there has been conversion in Nineveh. There has been conversion in Nineveh. The Nineveh of my heart and my soul. So what do all these stories have to do with each other? What do they have to do with us? I think if these narratives tell me one thing this morning, it is that conversion starts with us. Conversion does not begin with those outside of the church. Conversion starts with those within her walls. Conversion starts in the cold places of your heart and mine, those places that are the true Ninevehs of the world. Because Nineveh is not some far-flung city on the other side of the world. Nineveh is not some unreached people group. Nineveh is not the sinners, but the self-proclaimed saints. That is what Peter learned in that vision. Because Jonah is not a book about evangelism. Jonah is not about the conversion of others. Jonah is about the conversion of our own souls. Because did you hear Jonah's attitude at the end of the book? There is no happy ending to the story of Jonah. It's the only book in the Bible to end in a question. Questioning Jonah's hatred for these people shows us that this book is about the conversion of our prejudices, our biases, our preconceptions, our judgments, and our own souls. And Jonah's example, as flawed as it is, demands that we be the first to convert. Because no matter how good we think we are, we all have a little Jonah inside of us. Whether we are Republicans who hate Democrats or Democrats who hate Republicans, we all have a little Jonah inside of us. Whether we're a little bit sexist, a little bit racist, or even just a little bit hateful when we don't even know it, we all have a little Jonah inside of us. Because every time we judge someone on the street, every time we take someone's rights away, every time we push people down, and every time we think someone's not worth it, less than or inferior, we realize there's a little Jonah inside of all of us. We all have a little Nineveh inside of us too, and there needs to be conversion in Nineveh. For if there is no conversion in Nineveh, we destroy our own selves. If there is no conversion in Nineveh, our own walls come crumbling down. If there is no conversion in Nineveh, we destroy our own temples and our own homes. If we keep treating people as less than people subtly or not so subtly because of their race, their sex, their immigration status, their sexuality, their economic status, their political opinions, their religious inclinations, because of who they are, there will be no conversion in Nineveh. And Nineveh does not convert, Jonah tells us, at its own peril. Even the best of us throw up walls. We like to set up sentries at what we think are the borders of the kingdom of God. Whoever we are, we like to keep some people out of God's kingdom. Some people are just too different, too sinful, to not like us to be in our kingdom. And that's why those people aren't sitting in the pews next to you this morning. We are better at building walls than we ever thought possible. And the problem with our metaphoric masonry is that those walls we are building are not actually part of God's kingdom. Because God is building his kingdom all along, whether we like it or not. How do I know that? Because God went to Cornelius before he went to Peter. Because God went to Paul before he went to Ananias. Because God was at work in the hearts of the Ninevites long before Jonah ever got there. Just so, God is at work all over the place, including the places we don't expect God to be. Our job is not to set up borders at the kingdom. Our job is not to mind the gates. Our job is to rush to the borders, to those new places where God is at work. Our job is to dive into those marginal spaces where God is doing a new thing. But we cannot find those places. We cannot find those spaces if there is no conversion in Nineveh. If there is no conversion for Jonah. If there is no conversion for our souls. So what does that mean for you? What does it mean for us? I think it means we need to ask ourselves a few questions. Who is it that we don't love? Who is it that we think God can do no new work in their lives? Who is this person? Who are these people? It is time for conversion, my brothers and sisters, but not their conversion, but ours. If you'll pray with me. God of all people and all nations, be with us in our hearts today. Be with us in our souls today. Convert our hearts to your love. Convert our souls to your kingdom. Help us to mean it when we ask for your kingdom to come. Help us to mean it when we say we want all to come in. Christ of the margin and Christ of the borders, forgive us all our prejudices. Forgive us of our walls. Heal us of our hatred and heal us of our sins. Help us to bring all people into your kingdom and help us to love all people just as you do. Holy Spirit of new places and spaces, reveal to us your work when we do not see it. Rebuke us when we call your work and others failure. Save us from our own destruction and forgive us all our sins. And God above, may your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. Amen. It occurs to me that I never answered your question. Did Jonah happen? I think that's up to you.